Good morning, Greenville, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, brought to you by the Highland Terrace Baptist Church right here in Greenville, Texas. On each broadcast, you'll hear moving interviews and a great message by the pastor of Highland Terrace, Dr. Chet Haney. So turn up your radio and call a friend. You may find that today you're the one who will be touched by... This is Chet Haney with the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast and podcast. And we are actually in studio today with a very special man who actually serves uh, our ministry as the producer and the engineer of our broadcast and our podcast, Mr. Joe Knight of Night Song Ministries. We measure time on this earth by the rotation of this big ball. Around one time, that makes a day. And when it goes around the sun 365 times, that makes a year. So it's been around 60 times in my lifetime. But in eternity, we're not going to sit around waiting for the earth to spin or for the sun to go around, the earth to go around um, the sun as a big ball. Uh, with God, a day is like a thousand years. Yes. And a thousand years is a day. There's a time when we will slip into the place where time is no more. And that's strange to us now. What will really be strange is when we get there, trying to understand how we uh, defined ourselves by time while we were here, <laughs> because it's really not permanent. Time is uh, is ticking away. Yes, it is. We act like we have the rest of eternity to live our lives, and then we get to our age, and we look back, and we go, where did it go? Yeah. Jesus said that we should do the works of God because the night cometh. Yeah, when, when no man, no man can, can work. work. Yeah, you're right. It'll be here before we know it. One of the things that I think you may find interesting, and also your listeners, is one of the things that God told us to do when we left was yeah. every family we come across that's lost a child to give them one of the books that that I wrote, and that worked that's out so good. Awesome. Seemed like a great idea, and then God opened up the doors for us to be a part of a group called Umbrella Ministries, which is based out of Southern California, and they strictly are a ministry to moms who have lost children. Come to find out they have local, regional, and national conferences all around the country, and we've done nearly all of them now, where we go to big ballrooms, big hotels, big churches, full (laughs) of people, all who have lost children. And so we chuckled a bit about that and said, I hope God's got a pretty good economy because we're going to be giving a lot of books away. What a fellowship, though. But what what an amazing amazing thing to be a part of. And so... The same goes for anyone that happens to be listening to this. If you've lost a child, I would love to give you one of my books, absolutely free of charge. You can get on my website. It's nightsongministries.com. It was spelled with a K, K-N-I-G-H-T, since that's how you spell my name. Nightsongministries.com. Contact me. I'd be glad to give you a book. Amen. We'll uh, that with you. help make that happen here at Highland Terrace, too, if you just contact our church. We'll see to it that uh, you get a copy of Joe's book, which is... Such a blessing. Now, Joe, um, people are people, and God is God. And you've seen uh, all over uh, the world, really, as you've traveled, God moving and working. What What are some things that you've seen that uh, sort of uh, form patterns of, of how God shows what he's doing and, and who he is in the lives of people? One of the greatest lessons I've learned, and this may be really valuable to someone out there that's saying, that's a good story, but I've never lost a child. Happened in a church we were in, and it was in California, actually, several yeah. years ago. Yeah. 
did a service and there was a, a Hispanic gentleman, uh, a little bit older than me, looked like it anyway, just a very distinguished looking man, had a thick mustache and very muscular built and just a sharp looking guy, stood and waited in, in the lines until everybody left because it's not uncommon after our concerts for us to stand and talk with people for a couple hours. And he stood patiently till everybody was gone. And I thought that was kind of odd. And he walked up to me and he introduced himself to me. He uh, put out his hand, he shook it, and I shook his hand and we talked and he said basically just one sentence. And it was actually a pretty, pretty simple sentence. Mm-hmm. He just looked right at me and he said, I want you to know that I was a Marine and I was served two tours in Vietnam and I have left more friends on the battlefield than I can ever tell you about. But today was the first day I've ever cried. And he told me how that changed his life. So that's what I see over and over. Unbelievable. God's hand touches your life. Mm. You realize we all have loss. We all have things that come and go in our lives that we just, that are, we don't like. But God uses those things to bring us to a place where we can do face to face business with Almighty God and settle eternity once and for all for ourselves. That is incredible. Um, Joe, I wonder if you might take a moment just to speak into the heart of our listeners. Faith cometh by hearing. Mm. And there is a great joy to be found, as you have said already, in the faith relationship that we have with God, to see God doing things that other people just don't have the ability to see because of the blindness of the human condition without faith. You're not able to see God. You're not able to know God. You're not able to experience the wonder and the joy of the things that God does. But maybe today there is a spark of faith trying to light a fire in someone's heart who's listening to you now. Like you said, could be they've lost a child. Maybe they haven't. But uh, tell us, Joe, the God of all comfort how could he work in the heart of someone listening right now if they so choose to let him do so? Probably the most important decision that someone will ever make is to come face to face with eternity and to realize that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as much as we don't like to think about death, some of us have thought about death a whole lot more with the virus deal that's going on than we ever had before. It terrifies us. We're faced with our own mortality. What if it were us? What if we fall down? And what if we get ill? And what if this is the last day for us? And so I wonder about you today out there, folks, if this is your last day and you had to stand before God, what are you going to show to make it worthy for you to get into heaven? Your good works, how much money you've given? Uh, how many touchdowns you scored in high school? What is it that's going to get you in? And I'm going to tell you that there's only one thing that will get you in. Because there's only one way to get to heaven. By grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. We repent of our sins, ask Him to come into our heart and save us. We give our life over to Him. And then we can grasp a little bit more the frailty of life. I'm going to be honest with you, Jed, and honest with you people. That are listening to this, I sense, deal, think every imaginable thing about life differently than I did before I lost a son. Because I realized that 
I'm going to get up in the morning when I tell my wife as I'm going out to go to the studio or something. I say, I'll be back in a little bit. And it dawns on me nearly every day. What if I'm not? What if I fall over with a heart attack between my place of residence and the studio? What could happen? Anything can happen. There is no promise for tomorrow. Don't brag about tomorrow. You don't know what a day brings forth. The question is not only what are you going to do with Jesus Christ, but what are you going to do with Jesus Christ right now? You know, you're so uh, right, Joe. Uh, we don't know what a day holds. We think we do. We all think we can predict what this day is going to be all about. We really don't know. And I just want to follow up what Joe has said with an opportunity uh, right now. If your desire is to receive this gift that Joe has described, it's the gift of eternal life. If it's your desire to say, yes, Lord, I do want this gift and I'm ready. Uh, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. Yes. And uh, if you just mean it from your heart, I can help you to say this prayer and you can just repeat it after me and uh, the Lord will hear you. And you can become a believer in Jesus and a lifelong follower of him right now. So we're just going to pray together. It's kind of unusual circumstance because you're listening uh, wherever you may be. It may be in your car. It may be somewhere else. But I promise you this. God is there wherever you are. God is there right now. And so if you want to reach out to him, just say this with me right now. Dear Lord. Thank you for loving me so much. Just repeat that from your heart to the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for giving your son for me. That I could have life in him. And thank you, Lord Jesus, son of God, for giving your life on the cross. So that I could receive forgiveness for my sins. Would you come into my heart now, Lord? I open my heart to you. I invite you to be my Savior and my King, the Messiah, the Lord of my life, the boss of everything. What you say is what I want to do. And by your grace, Lord, make me the person you want me to be. And for your glory, help me, Lord, to live my life for you. This is the prayer of my heart, and I mean it. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you just prayed to the Lord right now, I promise you this. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, that's the door of your heart. He said he would come in. And if you meant what you said when you prayed right now, I promise you Jesus means what he says when he said he would come in. And so now what? What do you need to do now? Now's the time to pick up your phone and, and call your pastor. Or pick up your phone and maybe call a parent or a friend or someone who can rejoice with you in your new journey and help you take some steps to get you established in a church where you can learn the Bible 
in a church where you can get baptized, in a church where you can begin to grow in your faith and begin to experience the changes that are going to happen as your life is increasingly and regularly touched by His mighty hand. That's what this ministry is about. I'm Pastor Chet Haney, Highland Terrace Baptist Church. Thank you for being a part today of the His Mighty Hand ministry. Friends, it's time for the message by Pastor Haney. We're going to have an interesting sermon this morning because we're going to look at an interesting passage of Scripture that I think can only be described as an abusive conversation. You know, abuse can be many forms other than just physical abuse, and it just makes me sick to think about physical abuse that children and women, and I suppose some men as well, suffer because of hatred and uh, hatefulness, violence that happens in the home and at school and many other places. But would it be possible, do you think it might be accurate to say that there is a whole lot more verbal abuse than there may be physical abuse, much more common, much more commonplace, unfortunately, even in Christian homes? even in uh, Christian relationships, and especially sometimes between Christians and non-Christians. I have a uh, favorite mentor, I remember, with the Lord now, but he was the director of evangelism when I was a young pastor here in Texas, and everybody loved him. His name was Carlos McLeod, the colorful preacher from out on the West Texas Plains who came to Dallas to be our uh, evangelism director. And back in those days, we had huge evangelism conferences. There'd be 10,000 people or more gathered in the old uh, reunion arena down in downtown Dallas. And man, I just uh, soaked all that up, enjoyed all the preaching and the singing, and just loved Carlos. and was privileged to know him pretty well and to have a relationship with him. And I can remember some of the funny things he would say from time to time. But one of them had to do with his wife, Bonnie. Now, Bonnie was a big, tall, West Texas lady with big hair. It was a big, black updo that she wore. She always looked so elegant and sophisticated. And uh, Carlos and Bonnie were quite a pair because he was sort of a loudmouth uh, in a good way. And she was sort of prim and proper and really a beautiful lady. And I remember Carla said one time, I'll have you know, Bonnie and I have had 38 wonderful years together. And he said, out of 40, that's not bad. He would talk about sometimes the colorful conversations that he and Bonnie would have. I remember he told us one time in a sermon that he preached. He said, when I got married, I told Bonnie, I thought she ought to go in the kitchen and make me a hot breakfast as if it was her duty, you know. And he said, she said, if you want a hot breakfast, go in the kitchen and set your cornflakes on fire. Now, I don't know if that conversation escalated from there or not, but it was an example of what some people experience, unfortunately, on much too regular a basis. Uh, conversations in the home that escalate into... Uh, you know, abuse, violence, it's not funny, really. And today, 
we're going to see a continuation of the example that we've been studying for the last several weeks. It's the interaction between Jesus and some Pharisees, between Jesus and a young man whom Jesus healed of his blindness. And this young man who was blind, his interactions with those very same Pharisees. And we finished last week with the most eloquent statement that to me should have put an end to all doubt and really an end to this conversation. Remember what the young man said to the Pharisees? They told him to give God the glory and call Jesus a sinner. If that's not messed up, I don't know what is. And here's how he replied. Do you remember? He said, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. All I know is this. I was blind and now I can see. Now you tell me, is that not the most eloquent statement? Is that not the most powerful thing? When God does a work in someone's life, you really can't argue with it. And you really can't deny it. But they did. And we're going to pick up today with how this conversation has now gone beyond all reason. I think this young man and Jesus as well tried. They did what the scripture commands that we do. The scripture says we ought to make every effort to get along with people. Literally, in Romans, make every effort to be at peace with all men. As far as it is possible. As much as it lies within you. It's almost as though the scripture acknowledges that it's not always possible, but we ought to do our part. We ought to make every effort, do as much as we can to get along with people. But there comes a place, a tipping point really, where conversations and conflict tip over into an area that could be described as abuse. And I want to ask you to join me today as we read just a few verses. We're only going to cover maybe, uh, I think it's about eight verses in this passage. And I want to look at them carefully because we can learn something from this about these difficult, difficult uh, experiences that too many of us have. And so let's look at them together. We're going to start today. John chapter 9, verse 26. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And this again was right after he said, I don't know if he's a sinner. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. And so they go right back to demanding an explanation. What did he do to you exactly? How did he open your eyes? And now the young man has really had enough And he answers them in a way I'm going to show you. He's sort of giving it right back to them. Look at verse 27. He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, verse 28 says, and said, you are his disciples. But we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, talking about Jesus, we do not know where he is from. The young man answered, verse 30, 
This is rich. Listen to what he says. He said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he's from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it is unheard of, verse 32, that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in your sins. And are you teaching us? And they cast him out. They kicked him out. They separated from him. Unfortunately, that's how it works out from time to time, isn't it? There's irreconcilable conflict followed by separation. They kicked him out of the synagogue. This was exactly what the previous passage told us his parents were fearing the most. That the Jews might kick them out of the one place in the community where they had social standing, where they had a place to belong, where they had relationship, where they had opportunity perhaps even to do commerce. Who knows, but perhaps they wouldn't even let you buy and sell things. I had a friend who was a pastor in Salt Lake City, and his children were not allowed to be in the high school band because they weren't Mormons, cast out, separated, excluded. Those are painful words, and too often we experience them. So as we pray today, about our message. I want you to open your heart to this message because I doubt there's anyone listening right now who hasn't been through something kind of like this at some time in your life. Some kind of abuse. Some kind of difficult, irreconcilable conflict that was painful to go through and the scars remain to this moment. And sometimes you find you can't stop thinking about it because it hurts. We're going to pray about that right now, and we're going to learn from the Word of God together. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you today that your Word, which is so amazing, it's sharp and like a double-edged sword, able to cut right to the heart of the human experience. You understand us, Lord, better than we understand ourselves. I thank you, Lord, that there is salvation in the Word. There is healing and restoration in the Word. There is advancement and growth and accomplishment and achievement for the life of the believer. All of it in the Word of God. So take your Word today, Lord. And speak to us that we may learn from it and gain a heart of wisdom. Because we want to live in a way that fearfully, reverently acknowledges your divine lordship over every detail of our lives. Certainly including this. And we pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. There's three simple thoughts. Three simple sections, really, that I'd like to share with you today from this passage, and I just pray that they'll be real clear and and easy to understand. And the first is simply this. Sometimes a time may come 
for standing up to the abuser. Now, I'm not saying that time should come quickly. Uh, The Bible teaches that we should be slow to anger. The Bible teaches that we ought to be nice. Somebody said it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. I agree. Always it's important to be nice. But there comes a time when you're not really helping someone by being pleasant and nice and agreeable anymore. There comes a time when you have to stand up to the manipulative, controlling intimidation that's really nothing less than abuse. And that's exactly what was going on here. In verse 46, once again, what did he do to you? Exactly how did this happen? How did he open your eyes? They're they're persisting with these questions. They're pressing him uncomfortably for details. And what's crazy about it is they're standing with an absolute miracle of God right before their eyes and they can't even see it. Jesus has taken a man born blind and restored his sight. This is a cause for celebration and rejoicing and marvel and amazement. They ought to be astounded. They ought to be praising God. They ought to be on their knees or maybe doing jumping jacks. One or the other, but not this. They're looking for a rational, reasonable explanation, and they're they're doing it like a cross-examination in an interrogation or a deposition. They're asking this man to give an account, and uh, it's just uh, really amazing. You know, uh, there's an expression that we use, if it was a snake, it would have bitten you. That's when you're looking for something, and you can't find it, even though it's right there on the table, right there on your desk. Right there in front of you, and you can't even see it. If it was a snake, it would have bitten you. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a snake involved in this passage. And uh, too many people get bitten by him. It's that old serpent, the devil. In fact, the Bible says in the book of James, where do conflicts arise from among you? It talks about the earthly wisdom that is sensual and demonic. It's just not from God. The wisdom that is from above, James says, is peaceable and humble. And and, um, there's all kinds of uh, descriptors of of the wisdom of God. It's easy to be entreated. It's like love that does not seek its own way. Uh, You can tell when somebody is acting godly and when they're acting like the devil. It's not hard to tell the difference. Now look at this passage and you tell me who's acting like the devil. Well, Jesus said to these guys, you're of your father, the devil. So it should be surprising to us that this is going on. But in verse 47, as I said, this young man becomes fearless. And I wonder if it might be because of his parents. Surely he knew that his parents were afraid of being put out of the temple. And all of a sudden, the one whose parents were afraid, becomes himself fearless. And he gives four counter punches to the Pharisees in verse 47. Let's look at them together. Should have said verse 27. Uh, He said, I told you already, 
and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Are you thinking of becoming his follower? Well, now it's on. This is a verbal fist fight. And uh, most of the people were like his parents. They were scared of the abuse and intimidation of the Pharisees. But here is a man who was not. And fearlessly, he spoke to them um, in really uh, the, the command of Proverbs. Proverbs says, answer a fool according to his folly or else you, you may become just like him. And so this young man had already tried reasoning with him. He saw that wasn't getting them anywhere. So he decided just give it right back to him. Uh, I brought a quote I wanted to share with you. I thought it was good. Listen to this. Controllers, abusers, and manipulative people don't question themselves. They don't ask themselves if the problem is them. They always say the problem is someone else. You see, the first goal is to be at peace with all men, and we should make every effort to do so, and sincerely. But there comes a time and a place where... It's not really helpful anymore uh, for you to be a doormat. Thank you for sharing these few moments with us today. And if you'd like to join us at Highland Terrace Baptist Church, you have several opportunities on Sunday. Highland Terrace is located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right near the hospital. You can't miss it. Then in person, you might be touched by... 